the liar's non-alcoholic pink spritz. I taste the world through rose-coloured glasses. Delicious! Stay spirited. Make it a liar's. Hey, all you songbirds. Thanks for tuning in, toying in to uh, Tail Feather this week. Uh, we have a very special guest today, Dr. Michael Caldwell. Uh, he is in Nashville, Tennessee. He's the chief medical officer of Dry January at Meharry Medical College. Um, he's got a whole list of uh, who he is and how he does what he does. Uh, but I don't want to take up that space. I want Michael to be it, Dr. Caldwell, to be able to uh, do the rest of his intro. So could you please tell our listeners and viewers uh, more about yourself and how you came to be with Dry January and anything else you want to add? Well, thanks so much, Nick. It's really great to be here. Uh, Dry January is is growing, and uh, I'm so uh, pleased to be representing uh, Meharry Medical College, our new school of global health right here in Nashville, Tennessee. The one, the only music city, as well as, whether you know it or not, the bachelorette party capital of the world. So we know how to party. We know how to drink alcohol, and there's a lot of room for uh, adult non-alcoholic beverages. So I joined Meharry Medical College about... Uh, just over two years ago, I'm a doctor in internal medicine and preventive medicine, and I have a long career in public health and uh, do vaccine research, but I got very interested in alcohol, um, in part because a lot of my career I devoted to reducing harm in tobacco smoke, and I, uh, over years, have appreciated that you know alcohol is uh, really not given as much attention as, as it should be for all the harm that it causes. And I've been very excited about the technological advances in the adult non-alcohol uh, beverage space uh, mm -hmm. led, led by liars uh, and others. Uh, and um, I'm just really happy to, to be here to talk to you today. Really, really happy you, you uh, agreed to come on the show. I, I feel honored uh, by that. Um, you you mentioned um, Nashville being the bachelorette capital of the world, and I've witnessed the buses. I've seen the limos. I've spent a lot of time in Nashville. Uh, it's a very very it's a city that's very close to my heart, um, and it, it has me thinking about because um, you mentioned like there's there's plenty of alcohol, but there's plenty of room for non alcoholic uh, adult oriented non alcoholic products to to be included. Um, in these spaces, how do you see that kind of evolving in Nashville currently? Do you see more of it happening in venues and in, in public spaces? Yeah, yeah there's no, no doubt. Um, and I could give you a few examples, but um, you're, you're hearing about it more in the media, um, on mm -hmm. social media. Um, we just had um, some really innovative, creative artistic entrepreneurs, which you know, mm -hmm. comes from the music city industry, but we're also the healthcare capital of the United States too. We, oh, wow. we, yeah, we have more healthcare companies here than any other place. Uh, so uh, with the uh, real magnetism that music city is drawing uh, from the technological field, from the healthcare space, from the music space, uh, we're, we're becoming one of the most uh, culinary celebrated places in America, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, would you believe it? And that's because uh, we are growing uh, our tourism industry and there's a demand for high-end hotels, high-end uh, culinary, and also being more um, educated and thoughtful about you know what 
options there are to, to choose. So we, in particular, um, have uh, a, a brand new first non-alcoholic bottle shop that opened up uh, oh. in Nashville. It's called Killjoy, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's run by a, a good uh, now friend of mine, Stephanie Still, who, you know, a lot of people are on different journeys with their relationship with alcohol over the years, but a lot of people who you know, have found the sober lifestyle after having been drinking for a while, really celebrate it and want to share it. So how great is it to have our first non-alcoholic beverage store? Um, uh, that's just one example. Uh, other uh, venues you can go to. Uh, one I'll point out is Southern Grist, which actually is cool. a member of the Adult Non-Alcoholic Beverage Association. But but they are what you would consider a craft brewer brewery where you go in, they have really good high-end food. But the first place I've ever been in where there's non-alcoholic beers on tap, like two of them, in oh, addition wow. to cans. So, That's cool. So they've got, you know, 20, 30, 40, you know, brews. And they say, hey, I want to go out and enjoy that experience. And I want my you know, beer to come from the tap, non-alcoholic beer on the tap, you know, really the taste and, and feel and sophistication is all just right there. So for mm. people who don't drink or just maybe want to have one less drink or just even experiment, uh, other um, uh, products, other companies uh, in the non-alcoholic space, uh, which, which you can think of, uh, one that stands out of is, is athletic brewing is really very yeah big in the craft brewer space there's there's one restaurant i can think of at uh, urban grub in a part of nashville called 12 south you, you open the, the menu now and they don't just have one non-alcoholic beer they, they have 12 of all the different kind of craft beers that you can wow. have in, in a different in addition to having you know the spirits and the way so it's not just yeah. non-alcoholic you know water soda juice it's yeah. it's really uh, leaning into what is out there, what are the products that people are excited about to test and taste, and so I'm I'm certainly seeing it in Nashville. I'm seeing it um, sort of ebb and flow in other places. Like uh, for example, I I fly Delta Airlines a lot, and on the Delta Sky Lounge, you know there were initially they would uh, charge you uh, as a premium drink a non-alcoholic beer they would charge you right and then, <laughs> i experienced that too i was like wait what, what yeah what? Like, what? yeah like, yeah can't be. Bucks, right like, and right. and then um they had like a menu of three or four different varieties and now now they just uh more recently have just gone down to one so i i think yeah. you know even businesses are trying to feel out the market here what to do uh, I know Delta even had a specific uh, dry January cocktail, and I'm I'm not sure yeah. if it included Liars products or not. But it was um, it's a great juxtaposition for me, who's you know, a, a public health doctor who cares and understands that alcohol is a risk factor for cancer. So it it, yeah. it gets me uh, a little frustrated when you know we are celebrating October Breast Cancer Awareness Month with pink alcohol cocktails, which essentially is a risk factor for cancer, but nobody brings that. So, so I, I really would love to see moving forward that October pink cocktails also kind of connect with uh, dry January to say, Hey, we want you to celebrate, you know, fighting breast cancer by not having more alcohol or, <laughs> or at least right. having that as an option, just educating people about it. Yeah. So, so I'm seeing, um, definitely progress, but it's not a straight line. Gotcha. Well, I mean, it, as long as we've got some type of progress and however small it is, you and I both want to see this thing move faster in a societal norm, norming of this, the societal norm. Um, 
and I, there's a there's a group of us, a large group of us across the globe that want that to happen. But as long as we've got some progress that's inching forward, I think we're going to get there. Um, which brings me to section one of our talk. Uh, when we are looking at the movement, and by movement, I should say movements, because there's there's a plurality here, right? And I've said this on the last episode. I'll probably say it on multiple episodes going forward. I want to make sure that our listeners and viewers understand that we are talking about two separate things here. The no category is a sacred space. There's no alcohol in that uh, by legal definition of 0.5% or lower. Um, there's zero zero when possible, right? So the no movement has no alcohol. The low movement does have alcohol. These are two different things, and I want to make sure that when we're talking about them, that we keep them separate because they are completely separate engagements. Um, one is elimination, where the other one is uh, moderation. And I want to make sure that uh, you listeners and viewers, I'm not giving you medical advice. We're not giving you medical advice. We're just stating facts that you can make better and more informed decisions. Uh, so when we're looking at the medical professionals in your network, uh, what are they saying about the moderation movement and the um, reduction or re re uh, elimination movements? I guess is the better. Yeah, I, I, I think that the medical community is is behind the curve when it comes mm -hmm. to what's going on in, in uh, sort of more of the sober community, uh, social media, uh, the entrepreneur community. Um, I think uh, the academic public health colleagues of mine and medical professional colleagues, it, right now they are experiencing these technological advances of these adult non-alcoholic beverage products just as people, individuals. And mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't think it has translated yet to me being a doctor talking to my patient about trying these things, unless it's sort of just like a friendly, hey, did you try this or whatever? Right. So um, I, I think we're in a very uh, early, early stage of that. That's why I am so happy that Meharry Medical College and our School of Global Health is leaning into this because I think we can help to educate our, our own colleagues in, in public health and um, in, in our medical profession. And I'll, I'll give you an example. For the last couple of years, we have gone to the American Public Health Association uh, okay. annual meetings, and we've had a booth, and uh, we've been able to uh, ask people, have they ever heard of Dry January? Uh, do they know about it? Um, have they heard of some of these adult non-alcoholic beverage products? And I'd say the majority have actually not heard of Dry January. And, and you're talking about at the public health convention, which you would think they would have heard about. Right. It. And, yeah. and the majority have not realized that there are all these innovations in adult non-alcoholic beverage. Now, there are a handful of people that mm -hmm. you know it, but but definitely the majority don't. So um, we we found that maybe about forty percent of people at that meeting had even heard of dry January. They knew it was something oh, wow. about it. So, but and the people who said, "Oh yeah, I do it every year. I know about it. Or I got the Try Dry app," and uh, those you know go down to maybe about ten percent of people. And then mm -hmm. for people that have known about adult non-alcoholic beverages, they're like, "Yeah, isn't there just O'Doul's?" They're, they're still like you know living 10 years in the past and and unless they're you know younger uh demographic unless yeah. they're you know in that sort of sober uh curious space uh unless they're entrepreneurs or you know on on social media they really don't know so so we have a long way to go 
Uh, and yeah. as you talk about with our medical colleagues, I think it's just starting. And one of the things I'd just like to bring up is because I teach medical students. And one of the yeah. things I do is uh, physical diagnostic skills where we teach students how to interview. And one of the typical questions we ask people is, do you smoke? Do you drink? How much do you drink? Is it how much? And it's, it's you almost can sense, um, and I've been on both sides of this as the doctor and the patient and now the teacher of the medical students to know that that's a con uh, sort of uh, yeah, it, it, it confrontational uh, way of asking questions. So it's like, so do you drink? And, you know, people know, yeah. like, the answer should uh, be, oh, yeah, just, yeah. you know, a little bit. And like, and, you know, how much do you, do you drink a day? And like, yeah, yeah, a couple. <laughs> and it's like a couple a week. I'm like, um, I, I, is that, what's the right answer? I, <laughs> so um, I almost, I'm toying with the idea of doing an experiment with, with um, to, to be able to say, instead of asking that question, be able to ask the question, have you ever heard of dry January as part of the patient-doctor interaction? And that just being like an opening up, it's like, oh, what, what is that? And it's like, oh, it's about people who put a mirror up to their own relationship with alcohol. And then people are like, oh, you know, I don't need that. I don't drink. And now, now you've gotten your answer of your usual question or, or yeah. oh, you know, um, I've been thinking more about my drinking lately. You know, it does yeah. it in a way that that allows it to come from the patient. And even if um, they they don't give you the information truthfully uh, in a way, mm -hmm. they have a tool to take home to to follow up about. You know, so so I'm really excited uh, about it. And I, I think, you know, we need more tools in our patient doctor relationship, especially because of the pressures that medical providers have with I have to see so many patients so much time they, they don't have time to have these conversations and we need to expand it to other allied health professionals to be able to talk about and and the public we we need all of all of you to be able to talk to your friends and family and know maybe not just yourself but we're all impacted by alcohol even if you've sure. never had a drink you know people in our community drink and it causes a lot of harm uh, not only to our bodies but our communities and and we have a lot of progress to make and we will I think one of the first steps there is we, we have to take a look at the, the psychology behind it and the, the uh, lexicon that we choose to use. Like you said, you know, reframe the word. Words have power. Let's get a better structure there. And take the shame portion out of it. So I think that's why a lot of people get this weird pressure behind them. They're like, I don't want to share that I've had three drinks this week or whatever it is because they feel shameful about it, right? So if you, if we can find a way to have a, a more open dialogue and a more honest dialogue with each other that, that takes the shame out of the equation, that information flows better, more freely. And I think that improves public health on the, on the back end of it because you're actually giving me the data I need to, to help you improve your life, right? I think that's a, a very um, poignant piece of it. I, I'm very much digging that. Um, yeah, and, and just the last thought I had, too, is about just always providing an opportunity to educate people because the number of people who understand that alcohol is a risk factor for cancer is, uh -huh. is so little. I mean, some people think, well, I got to drink a lot and maybe I'll get liver cancer, but there, it, it's tied to so many other cancers. And, and that, I think, is just something for people to, to learn about and ponder. The, the relationship between any alcohol and breast cancer is very strong, the scientific relationship, and that very few people uh, understand that. And I, that's one of my goals uh, is to be able to focus in on that because it is 
such a devastating illness, especially the bachelorette party capital of the world, right? In the United States, you want to start off, you know, as, as good as you can, at least knowing what your, yeah. your risks are. Yeah. And I think people might know, oh yeah, you know, I'm losing brain cells or whatever, like things that they did, but I don't know, maybe the cancer risk will resonate for them. So, so there, there's, there's so much uh, to do. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, and I, I hope that the, I, I really truly honestly hope that your mission comes to fruition because the, the, the way that our society allows us to kind of, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Right. You've got that luxury of time, but when time catches up with you, it's a little different. I'm going to share something with you that I've never shared on air. Um, three years ago, I was diagnosed with NASH, and it's not non-alcohol-induced stereotype. It's essentially fatty liver disease, right? And my doctor was like, you got to stop drinking. Um, and I was like, what? He's like, you got to I was working in whiskey at the time. You got to stop drinking. Um, and I was like, that means no scotch and no Irish. He's like, yeah, it does. And I was like, uh, okay. He goes, and you got to lose weight. So I lost 60 pounds. I have a glass of bubbly, maybe once a quarter, roughly. I love champagne. Love champagne. Um, and that's really about it. Like, it, the first couple months, it was weird. And for those of you that are going through this, I, I want to make you feel um, supported in what happens. Because there is some stuff that happens, right? On a sociological scale, um, friend groups might evolve a little bit. And that's fine. That's natural. It's scary at first, but it's natural. Uh, going out to bars might be a little weird at first, but it gets normal. I promise. And with what Michael has told you about some uh, some bars in in Nashville that are now evolving to have non-alcoholic beer on tap, that's becoming a more normative thing. Uh, there are hotel groups and hotel grading systems that uh, you won't even make the the lowest tier cut unless you have non-alcoholic options that are not soft drinks. I forgot about all the. Yeah, little, uh, I, I like that. Things. That was pretty cool. Um, I, I was going to give that a thumbs up too. I thought, did I think right? that? Or <laughs> <laughs> there's so many of them. I, I love it. It's, my favorite is this one. There it goes. Aww. Oh, so wow. uh, those of you that can't see what's going on, I, I just remembered Lord. about the emoticons and and did a thumbs up. Uh, oh, but back goodness. to what I was saying, even to be in the lowest grade, you have to have at least three non-alcoholic cocktails or offerings. Uh, that are not soft drink, juice, coffee, or tea. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's when the highest of the highest end is looking at that. That's starting to say, say something. Uh, if it works like fashion does, we're in a good place. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about Meharry. I'm, I'm going to flip the script up a little bit here. Because uh, sure. you have some stuff you want to share slide-wise, and I've got those up. Um, oh, great. Let's talk about, Meharry, and let's talk about what Meharry is and and how it's absolutely uh, integral to the Nashville community, not only the Nashville community, but the community at large. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you so much. And um, mm -hmm. I'll go over to the slides, know, the, actually. I'll start sharing so you can. Yeah, uh, the one with the Meharry Medical College. Uh, you know, we are approaching our 150th anniversary. Meharry Medical College is a historically black medical school. It's the, first one that was in the South after the Civil War. And uh, mm -hmm. most people, you know, are not Civil War history uh, uh, buffs, but uh, uh, Nashville 
was occupied by the Union Army for the majority of the Civil War. And what that meant is that there were a lot of black soldiers here in Nashville. And uh, so when Abraham Lincoln assured our country and our veterans, you know, by creating the Veterans Administration that America will always take care of their veterans, no one stepped up to take care of the black veterans from the Civil War here mm. in, in Nashville, Tennessee. So one of the reasons why Meharry Medical College was created was to provide a pathway for African-Americans, recently freed slaves, to not only be educated, but to learn to become doctors, to take care of those who fought for our freedom, <laughs> for, to preserve the Union, especially you know our, the, the people who suffered probably the most, uh, even, you know, in this area too, that were targeted for um, yeah, destruction during uh, the Civil War. So our black veterans. So we we come with that spirit uh, of um, yeah survivorship, uh, moving forward, growing in the most unbelievable difficult circumstances. And uh, so we have a mission to serve the underserved. And one of the things that uh, we focus on is. Uh, serving communities. But when we take uh, this uh, understanding of the alcohol industry, we, we believe that you know, the, the spectrum of addiction is such that alcohol is an underserved component of the addiction spectrum. So we are, we're going to uh, focus on this as really just part of our mission. So the two main areas uh, where we work with Dry January USA is our Office for Research and Innovation. And that's where we do a lot of our basic science research, education and treatment. We have a, a very strong um, alcohol and opioid uh, abuse treatment program uh, called the Elam Health Center. And uh, and then uh, so pleased to share with you the announcement just uh, recently of our School of Global Health. It's the, the first school of global health in in the country. It, it, it's focused on uh, a, a few different domains. Um, I'll highlight two of them. One is social and behavioral health, and and the other is uh, health communication. So uh, wow. the whole notion of we, not me, that you know, we are a community, we all impacted. Um, and you can learn more by going Mahari global.org that's m-e-h-a-r-r-y global.org and you can learn more about the great things uh, that we're doing there and that is um where now the the home of dry january uh is dry january usa uh it it is here we're really pleased to have this sole licensing agreement with the owners of the global uh, registered trademark for Dry January, which is uh, out of the United Kingdom, which is uh, Alcohol Change UK, the great partners there uh, working with us. Uh, and we're happy to participate in, in this really on a global level. That's amazing. I have a really good friend, um, Joe Pariah. We call him Joe P. He's the mayor of everywhere, uh, based up outside of, um, I think he's in Providence now. And he has a saying, it's I am because we are. And I, I think that fits beautifully in the what you're saying uh it's not about the me it's about the collective we um on the next slide you <clears throat> excuse me uh you have more of the global health for those of you that are listening and not watching please come back to the youtube channel or wherever you view uh your podcasts um we are not on spotify podcast because of the uh the, the agreements with that um but if you do want to see what michael is talking dr caldwell is talking about Please uh, jump into the YouTube uh, channel. I'll have all of these links in the show notes. 
uh, and also you can watch, pause, and, and look. So it is meharryglobal.org, M-E-H-A-R-R-Y, global, G-L-O-B-A-L, dot org, O-R-G. Uh, that is uh, the Meharry Global uh, site. Um, uh, in this part of the episode, I want to make sure that Dr. Caldwell and I get to talk about the medical benefits of reduction and removal of alcohol. Um, there's a fun little chart we're going to go over to in just a second, and uh, Dr. Caldwell will kind of go over it and, and we'll expand upon it. Um, we're going to start with uh, reduction. So I want to see what happens with reduction and maybe what happens when you restart that engine, and then we'll go over to removal and what people can expect. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me go back over. <laughs> there it goes. I love it. I love it. Okay. Oh, you know, any alcohol is not good for, for your body. Um, there, there's still some continued myths going on that, you know, having one glass of alcohol a day is good. You know, um, and and that really is is not true. It's really the socialization of what that experience is that that's really the good piece of it. But um, any alcohol um, does create an increased risk of cancer. It increases risk of heart disease, uh, and and causes a whole number of problems. Uh, so when you reduce your alcohol, probably when it, depending on how much you drink. I mean, if you're drinking one or two or three drinks a day, now you cut it back to one. You'll find that you do have an improved quality of sleep and and more energy. It may not happen on that day but if you over a week or two weeks you'll you'll definitely notice it and certainly if you eliminate it completely it you uh, have a, a much more enhanced effect um you'll have um improved levels of of concentration you won't kind of feel tired or, or, or groggy as much uh and you'll definitely feel like you have more energy um even uh, by just reducing alcohol uh, your skin is going to thank you because a lot of what is caused by alcohol is uh, not only the toxic effects throughout all your organs, not just the liver, but all your organs. It um, also dehydrates them all because it's uh, a natural diuretic alcohol. So we're often way behind on our uh, water intake. And so your your skin will certainly change. Um, you may be familiar, you know, having worked in the alcohol industry too, that you, you can visually tell somebody who's a drinker versus somebody that's not a drinker. It's like you, yeah. and then I think as you move more to being not a drinker, you're like, oh, that person's a drink. I mean, it's just written over people's faces that I think that drinkers don't realize how much they are sharing because they, even people who, who feel or know they drink too much are like, oh, I'm glad nobody knows I drink too much. But we know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we know. It uh, reminds me of some other, you know, uh, social changes that we've had where people, you know, share and open up about, you know, their lives. They're like, we know. <laughs> so good for you, um, yeah. you know, for trying to make a, a change. Definitely a blood pressure is one of those more silent hmm. changes that people don't recognize. Pulse rate. Uh, so when you reduce your alcohol, your, your, uh, pulse will moderate, uh, and your blood pressure will lower. Um, oftentimes, um, I'll, I'll be seeing, you know, younger, uh, patients, you know, in their 
early 20s, their blood pressure is always fine. And then one day it's like shooting through the roof. And my first question of them was like, how was the party last night? Right. And usually it's because they, you know, had been drinking. So, so, um, you, you do get a rebound effect from alcohol. So as you start to reduce, you minimize that rebound effect because people, people who drink every day, they're in perpetual rebound there. They, they have the suppression, then, you know, they, of, of their, uh, their breathing, their pulse, their, their blood pressure, but then the, the, your body rebounds. And that's why you kind of wake up in the middle of the night after, you know, having oh. you fall asleep with, you know, uh, the intoxicating effects of alcohol, but then you kind of wake up again. And so, um, but if you're doing that day in and day out, you never allow your body to get back to normal again. And so you're con- continually having a high pulse, a high blood pressure, and that puts you at risk for causing more long-term heart disease and other problems. So, um, so yeah. So if you are able to put a mirror up to your own relationship with alcohol that we ask you to do at, at dry January and anytime you could do dry January anytime. And the dry dry app is, is available and is really a great tool. It's free. Um, I have it and, on my phone. <laughs> and you're able to, um, um, catalog, uh, your drinking, uh, and it, it's all personal. It's, it's, you're, you're having this conversation with yourself, no judgment all about, you know, having support there in a way that's really tailored for what, what you want. You'll, you'll be able to, uh, chart for yourself what the benefits are, but what is challenging is for people who, who reduce their alcohol, they continue to have a daily relationship with alcohol and it becomes sort of their, their friend, uh, and, uh, and it's constantly like on, on their mind. So, so in some ways it's easier to have no relationship with alcohol yeah. than to have yeah. that moderating effect. Cause that's when, you know, the gas pedal gets pushed by accident and then you're trying to hit the brake and you're, you're trying to moderate. And you know, some people can do that successfully, but other people over different parts of their lives have different challenges, different yeah. friend groups, different relationships, and, uh, they, their drinking might start catching up to a point where they didn't realize it before. So maybe they used to have one drink a day and then it's two and it's one bottle a day. And suddenly people will look at themselves like, what, when did this happen? Why did this happen? I want to, I want to address this. I want to substitute in some of these new non-alcoholic products. Let me tell you a story. Yeah. Uh, I was working with the Tennessee Titans uh, during COVID. I, I was the public health director during covid for nashville just uh, just a real quick interruption they knocked me out of the um the uh suicide league that i'm in this year so yeah oh. titans oh. might be a sore spot right now <laughs> just go ahead i'm so sorry for yeah that. well um okay i <laughs> uh well well uh, thank you for sharing we appreciate it um so um you know during during covid we we shut everything down i was very much leading the effort to reopen the community especially outdoor venues and so i i um spoke with the president of the tennessee titans and i said yo if you don't serve alcohol i can let more people into nissan stadium and so we went back and forth, but uh, we finally agreed that he would offer more non-alcoholic beverages at all the locations. So I felt like I was making a public health 
step forward. Yeah. Uh, the president of the Titans said, yeah, they committed to that. And, and I saw evidence of it as we were letting people in the stadium. I learned in high school, the first thing to go when you drink is your judgment, right? Yeah. So once you have one drink in and you need a second drink, then you're, you're, you're off to the races for those people who, you know, do, you know, are in situations where they continue to, to drink. But, um, so the personal story of, um, this president of the Titans, he, he says he likes to have two, three beers on the weekend, um, maybe more. Uh, but when I introduced to him, these new known, there were this sophisticated technological advances that happened so rapidly. So, so he said, Michael, um, since you told me about this, I've been trying different ones, and I want you to know that because of you, um, when I on the weekend I will have one alcohol beer, but I will substitute in now any variety of new uh, products that I found to be non-alcoholic beers, and I feel just as satisfied with the taste and the feel, and I'm drinking less alcohol. So, so I made you know one one step at a time. This is the beautiful part of what you and I are doing here is that one conversation one at a time and like you never know what uh, the influence you're going to have and to be able to continue to have more people who we're um impacting and more of these technological advances to talk about it's uh, really really exciting i, I couldn't be uh, more delighted well you know what they say about waves they all start as a ripple so it's, if if we don't throw that first pebble if we don't make yeah. that first ripple we're not going to get to the waves. So I'm, I'm glad to be on this wave with you. Um, let's, let's, we've talked about the reduction of it. How does life on a physiological scale evolve post-removal um, with, with the human body? Like what happens, we've talked about the skin. Is, are, are there other factors on a physiological scale over a long-term benefit? of of removal yeah uh, no question that your your uh overall weight control will be better um mm-hmm. you you will uh have a less of a, a, a bloating your your liver and your heart even though you can't see them are definitely going to be healing okay uh, your your blood pressure will moderate so um what what causes strain and stress on the heart is you know higher blood pressure or faster uh, pulses over time. Uh, a, a really important element is inflammation. You, we're hearing more and more about how inflammation plays a really important part in our health of our physical bodies. And alcohol is constantly toxic, constantly sort of causing a hyper-inflammatory low-level state. And now you can remove that Overall, that's going to result in a tremendous benefits for your immune system. Remember, that's another silent part of an yeah. important component of your body. If if you're suppressing your immune system, you're uh, going to be more at risk for uh, getting bacteria, viruses, and, and other diseases. And uh, and because of the constant irritation on your sort of um, digestive tracts as well. Uh, that that will dissipate, so that when you really you know do get sirgenils, you'll you'll be in the best possible shape <laughs> to handle that um, in a, in a way that sort of a, an athlete does. So so by by drinking uh, or eliminating drinking, you're 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 moving in the direction uh, of uh, caring for yourself um, and in a very special way, and hopefully we will adopt other um, 
healthy behaviors because what when people do things to help improve their health they they do them in groups sometimes right yeah. they'll, they'll cut back on a, uh on on drinking maybe they'll eat more healthy maybe they'll get their physical fitness in and and that all works in tandem and the 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 it, positive immune benefit you get by doing a little physical exercise that the improvements in your sleep uh all work together so you can think of uh exercise as almost like an anti alcohol <laughs> um movement so you you it's not just getting rid of the alcohol it's you you can even do more so uh, and those people and you and i i'm sure have, uh, up and down over the years have done different things we we know yeah. like the exercise is the one magic pill that that yeah. really does all amazing things yeah, when i was consuming entirely too much um on a weekly basis i was still working out i was still running I was still swimming, um, doing my physical activities, hiking. I'm a big hiker um, and diver. Um, my pulse rate was always at 72. Resting rate was 72. And I found out that's not a good thing. So um, through reduction and removal, largely, um, and being able to be more present with myself and my body and understand, I started meditating, started doing yoga, do yoga probably five times a week, which my spouse does it. That's why we're going to Chiang Mai is to, so she can get trained. Um, she does it seven days a week, sometimes uh, two or three times a day. Um, but the, the being present with yourself, being present with the capital S self and allowing to yourself to see the, the things that happen to you through that three, four, five, six month period, it's mind blowing. Like I, my pulse rate, resting rate's 58 typically now. Mm -hmm. um, granted I'm, you know, when, when we've got a pool that I can be in, I'm swimming usually three to five miles a week. Um, I don't really run a whole lot because of a spinal injury, but I will still hike pretty often. So it's, it's allowed the, the time that I, because time is finite, as far as we know. Uh, the time that I had spent feeling in a down curve because I had overconsumed the night before, or the time that I'd spent consuming, I can now refocus that time as currency into other things like hiking or getting back into my art or doing a podcast and talking to <laughs> people all over the world, right? So that's that's a that's a fun uh, outcome, and I'm not I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do. That's that's not my mo with this podcast. Again, it is to make informed and better better decisions and better informed decisions. Um, to to kind of capitalize on that part of the question just a little bit more, is this something that people should be doing on their own? On their own. Good good question. Um... I think certainly if people are drinking six or more drinks a day mm -hmm. for a long period of time, uh, that just stopping drinking it actually could be harmful. Um, that um, it's important that you you look for um, under like alcohol use disorders uh, easily found online about when when you should really try to seek medical attention to to help you uh, oftentimes uh people just present to emergency rooms one reason or another because mm. they just having trouble with their alcohol or they've had an injury or something like that but that that's um something that i think is is really an important point to make um i think if you are going to be 
uh, cutting back to know that if you do just stop completely and then you get some, you're starting to feel a lot worse, that you should seek medical attention because that is one of the real severe dangers of just going from a lot of drinking to zero drinking. So my recommendation is that um, you uh, find somebody to do it with if you can. Um, Mm -hmm. If not, and you're going to do it alone, just look for all the tools out there to help keep you uh, informed about what your own body is saying to you um, and that um, uh, reducing is really uh, a a journey. Uh, Now, with, with dry January, what I'd like to let people know is that Dry January is not about just shutting it off like a switch. Some people right. want to do that. Some people want yeah. to do that. But but for people who are drinking four, mm-hmm. five, six drinks a day for weeks, that really should be very thoughtful about it. And I say do kind of an off-ramp for dry January, kind of taper yourself down. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and think of dry January as your own journey. Um, whatever you want to do, as long as you're mindful, you're putting that mirror up to your own relationship with alcohol, you're using the Try Dry app, you're, you're um, talking about it, you're sharing some new adult non-alcoholic beverages, maybe you're just drinking a little less, or maybe you're just saying, hey, I just want to drink on Fridays. Whatever it is, it's your Dry January. It's nobody else's. Right. And you don't have to say, oh, I, I you know, um, yeah, I messed up dry January on January 7th, so I shot the whole month. No, that's that's not the way it is. That's not the way life is. We're we're continuing to have to, you know, adjust ourselves for those of us who who have had um experiences with drinking and it's, you know, changed our brain and our function and our, mm-hmm. you know, experiences and how, you know, we are, you know, have an addiction to it that it um is sort of always always there. We we're much closer to it there if we keep it sort of just a drink here, drink there, moderating, as opposed to, you know, removing that uh, constant thinking of, oh, your set point for the day is, oh, I just can't wait till it's five o'clock, right? Or something like that, or, yeah. or it's five o'clock somewhere. And then, then it goes on, a, that whole mentality uh, just um, can get worse and worse. But uh, that's what I mean by that, that notion of, of keeping alcohol in your life as opposed to not to. But we're we're not here to tell people to get rid of alcohol or reduce alcohol. It's just educating people uh, and to to let you know that you will probably live a much longer, happier life, uh, and and that your your the life that you do live uh, will be much more um, ex- well experienced and and full of joy. And uh, um, so we we look forward to uh, trying to help people along on that journey to to understand that it. It is really important. Um, another thing that really concerns me is is just uh, how depression and uh, yeah, suicide are yeah. are linked with alcohol. And you know, oftentimes when when you hear about depression and we hear about suicide, how often in those media reports or something do we the next episode says, "Oh, uh, alcohol causes twenty, thirty, forty, fifty percent of this," or you know the 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 deaths by suicide that are used with um, guns. I mean, about half of those are alcohol somehow related. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, Wow. that, and, and the majority of deaths by guns are suicides. It's not, yeah. not homicide. So it's, it's, it's that, what you talked about earlier, that the shame factor, 
yeah. we don't we don't want to we don't want to talk about but i i can tell you that the, the more of an impact we can make to try to reduce people's use of alcohol not, not eliminate but just get them to be more thoughtful about it we're going to be able to uh, reduce the amount of depression in our community. We're going to reduce the suicides. We're going to reduce the motor vehicle injuries, other injuries. Uh, it, and, and of, of course, all of the partner violence, domestic violence, elder abuse, child abuse. I mean, it all is impacted a lot, a lot by alcohol because it, it changes the way people think sometimes. Not, not everyone is a, a polite drunk. Or you know, yeah. or uh, you know, tell some jokes and fall asleep. Now, the people, some people really, and you know this too, because you've been in these. They, they're, 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 they have a completely shifting of their personalities, and uh, yeah. and it's, it's scary for people around them. It's scary for them, and then they don't remember because they, yeah, you know, it so unlocks a different part per se. Yeah, 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 Which and way. and so we're we're all, as you say, we, not me. We've got to all try to take care of each other. Yeah, as do. much as we can, uh, to doing what we're here doing, educating people, but, you know, starting off, you know, that term designated driver that was back in the seventies, right? Eighties, early eighties. And, and th there was a big uproar about uh, telling people you shouldn't be drinking and driving. I mean, there right? was, there was, there was pushback, <laughs> like, who are you to tell me not to yeah. drink and drive? <laughs> I want my roadie. <laughs> I mean, oh boy. Um, yeah. you know, so we, Making progress is not easy. I go back to the early 1970s where uh, I, I lived uh, in or near New York City and Mayor Ed Koch was the mayor at the mm. time. Do you know, this was the time before there were poopy scooper laws. I mean, in, in the summertime in the early 70s, Ooh, yeah. what they would do is the hot, the hot um, New York City, they, they would have the uh, street sweepers go by and like smush the everything and then sprinkle water on and then the, the whole day would be the steam of you know stuff that you didn't want and then yeah. but but the the pushback for people saying no 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 poopy scuba laws yeah i just don't want to do it so so it, when you when you look back at at some of the public health changes we made the advantages there, there's always been resistance there's always been pushback but it yeah. you know it needs to be done um you know, with, with as much education and love as we can and trying to get people to move forward. And I think now we are at this new point with these technological advances in these adult non-alcoholic beverages. We're offering people choices. We're not just saying on or off. We're saying lean into this, try this, and uh, hopefully that will help you get on that pathway to reduce and then maybe eventually eliminate. Yeah, yeah. That's my, my plan is my path of elimination, right? All right, Michael. So uh, being that nearly all societies have a tie into alcohol consumption, whether it's naturally occurring in fermentation or via distillation technology, and you mentioned technology a minute ago, and I do want to make sure that everyone out there understands that if you've had a non-alcoholic beverage, adult-oriented non-alcoholic beverage and alcohol-adjacent product um, over the past three or four years, and you didn't like it, try it again. Technology is improving. Thing flavors are improving. The way that we layer flavors together, like jigsaw puzzles on a chemical level, um, is being recognized better. So if you have tried stuff in the past, just like anything else, like when you were trying to develop your palate to, 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 not, to not reject bitter, go try these products again, right? Because most of us didn't like an IPA the first time we had it. We didn't like a Guinness the first time we had it. We had to develop that flavor. And I want you to keep an open mind. 
go try more non-alcoholic products, whether that's our products at Liars or our friends uh, like Athletic Beer or um, any of the, the great sparklings that are out there at this point, um, or flat wines that are uh, non-alcoholic wines that are out there at this point. Um, but getting back to my question, because they don't call me rabbit for not getting into rabbit holes, um, whether it's naturally occurring ferments or the distillation products, uh, with how the non-alcoholic categories are in tandem with the younger generations that are happening now, how do you think we'll look back on our current consumption models versus the traditional consumption models uh, now that science is actually studying the mass effects of alcoholic consumption? Because we've had these studies before, but they were funded, and then a little different when you get studies that are funded, right? So how do you think we're going to look back on current versus traditional? Well, uh, I, I'm excited to to learn. I mean, I I, I think um, there are a lot of surprises ahead still. Um, uh, I I think what what I'm seeing is that as there are these more non-alcoholic uh, adult products that are innovative, sophisticated, fun, recreating that kind of ritual of a fun party time where we're seeing more people step up to share their experiences as well. So I think, um, and, and talking about how they enjoy it and connecting with it. And, uh, I, I think we're, we're getting to the place where there is soon to be more of an expectation that there will be an equal number of non-alcoholic products that just look and taste and feel just as good as the alcohol ones. And we will never assume that somebody, you know, drinks. Um, and, and we, we, we still have a long way to go in certain, certain industries. Of course, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, uh, entertainment industry, here we are in music city, the food and beverage industry is one that really suffers a lot because a lot of the creative arts are filled with people that that unfortunately are, are addicted to a lot of different substances and, and alcohol usually underpins a lot of those so if we can kind of help people move along to reduce and eliminate alcohol it's going to make it easier for them to address any of the other addictions that they may have um, and I, I think we're going to continue to be surprised and evolve and we're suddenly we're going to get to a point where we'll look back and we can't even imagine of like where things were you know, even where we are now, um, you know, to, to, to remember that, you know, there was this, uh, one non-alcoholic beer called Odules and people would like make fun of you for thinking about it and thinking of it almost as a punishment for having it. Like, why, right. why are you doing this to yourself as opposed to really enjoying the experience? Uh, you know, even three years ago when I served as the Nashville public health director, trying to, you know, move us along, you know, with, uh, COVID and the Titans and, saying, you know, like I told you, the first thing that goes when you drink alcohol is your judgment. So you're more likely to take off your mask and all, all of these things. I was really trying to lean into having less uh, alcohol in our in our community for a lot of different reasons. And uh, sadly, the whole COVID epidemic was the reverse. I mean, we were we were allowing people to take stuff out to go have alcohol delivered to your house. I, I even knew a, a lot of um, or, or a few businesses that, you know, knew that their staff were home. So as a gift to them, they would send them wine and alcohol just to, you know, get through COVID. And uh, so we really had um, sort of a spike up in people drinking, but we also had a spike up in people reflecting like, what am I doing? Yeah, Why I am I doing this? People. 
Yeah. About a month and a half in, I was like, what am I doing right now? This is not a good idea. Right. It's what am I doing? And then simultaneously, these technological advances, like new products, like, wow, let me try that. Because I I do like that taste of the beer. I do like the sparkles of a Grand Prosecco. And and wow, you know, this is just so, so good, so satisfying. And um, I don't need that buzz anymore. Or or I don't need as much of it. Or, you know, I need better sleep. So I, I think things and sleep are my favorite things now. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I told you that I, I was still in medical school in the late 80s, early 90s when there was still smoking in, in the hospitals. And, you know, mm-hmm. we look back on that now, even in restaurants, like how how could that have been? Uh, so so I think we're going to have that epiphany moment in the next, you know, 10 or 15 years. We're going to look back and say, how, how could it have been that we had bachelorette parties and we didn't have equal number of alcohol or non-alcohol or, or respect people or not sober shaming? How could we not have done that? Yeah, sober shaming is such a, a dirty, dirty thing to do to people. I, I just, I've, even when I was drinking and I'm talking like, even when I, you know, the, the surfer kid that's, traveling all the time and surfing and bartending and even then i didn't like when people like if they don't want to drink leave them alone like get them something tasty something that's not just a big thing of sugar and juice like give them like a ginger beer with some some bitters or i don't know something that's not just not thoughtful right like soda water bitter lime that's delicious but we can do better at this point. Oh, and uh, you're making me think too that that people who don't drink or or people who are not drinking, even that they may drink but they're not drinking at the moment, they don't sober shame. It's it's mm-hmm. it's the people who are are drinking, um, that like you know they get into that mindset like you know, I want you to get on my level. Yeah, and yeah. and that that is like bringing people down instead of yeah. celebrating. It's like you know, good for you not drinking. I you know, I maybe will just be done or like I'll try some adult non-alcohol beverage tonight instead. So so we're we're making uh, progress. So I really appreciate yeah having this conversation with you. Now. Well, thank you for being on. Uh, but you're not off the hook yet. You got to go through the grill. <laughs> this is when we spatchcock and put you on the grill and. And, and give you a couple of really quick impromptu questions. You don't have to be um, crazy with the answers unless you want to be. It's all up to you. You've got endless funding. What non-alcoholic product are you going to bring to life? Uh, from an existing product or like a brand new one? I Whatever you want. You've got endless funding. And you're going to be able to bring something to life that changes how the world drinks, which is what our mission at Liars is. Yeah. A- Chianti. Oh man, we're in the same vein. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I really, I want a, lamb, a, a sparkling Lambrusco. Like, I, I want that in a non-out form, right? Man, yeah. Good answer. That's the best. Well, one I mean, had. when yeah. you get to know me, um, one of my favorite uh, restaurants here is Il Forno. It's uh, Neapolitan, oh, yeah. authentic, yeah. and so boy, you know that that would that would that would be perfect uh, there and everywhere. And um, I uh, so. All right, I'm ready for the next one. All right, the last one. And not that any of us are out at last call anymore. I can't even remember the last time I saw last call. And not because I was intoxicated, just because it's that long ago. Uh, it was probably pre-COVID at this point. Um, what is your final song at last call? Like, you've got one song you can put on that jukebox to listen to before you walk home so you can get up and run your marathon the next morning after having 
however many non-alcoholic beverages you've chosen to have that night. What is your yeah. final song and last song? Well, I always like to end the evening on a high note instead of like a low sleepy note. So yeah. you know that that Shumba Wumba song. Yeah. I yeah. get knocked down. I get yeah. knocked down, but I get up again. Yeah. You know, and uh and and to me that kind of just symbolizes not not only you know what might happen if you drink too much, you get knocked down, you get up again, you try to, you know, move move forward and not drink. But, um, you know, just life in general. I mean, what a great celebration to say, like all of us in our life in one way or another, we're going to get knocked down, but we got to get up again. And so it's just a celebration of like, I don't give up. I'm going to keep going. So those of us that are struggling with alcohol, those of us who have family or friends or community to know that it never ends. It it, it continues. We're always going to get knocked down. But what's key is that we get up again and we just keep moving on. And so... Um, but I, I, I love it. I, I love that song. Um, it, it gets me excited. So like when they turn on the lights and that they, you know, kick us out, then, you know, I can go home singing. <laughs> That's very cool. I like that. It's very, very fun. It's one of my favorite questions to ask people because it's, it tells you a lot about the person that answers it. Yeah. Uh, this is your chance, your uh, opportunity to mention anything that you want to about what you're working on. This is the plug segment. So anything that you're working right. on, speaking engagements, new projects, anything you want the public to be aware of, uh, now is the time to let the listeners and the viewers know. Well, thanks so much, Nick. And uh, we're really excited uh, at Meharry uh, School of Global Health, Meharry Medical College, to be the home for Dry January USA. Nashville, Tennessee is Music City, and we are... Uh, um, have this special uh, event, which um, um, was uh, occurring on uh, Friday, January 5th, uh, Mahari at the Bluebird Cafe. Now, the Bluebird Cafe is world-renowned. It's a place where people come to share their songs, their stories, and hopes and dreams and connect with people. It's a very intimate venue at bluebirdcafe.com. You can learn all about it. It's a place where somebody named Garth Brooks was discovered and got his first contract. A young teenage girl named Taylor Swift was never heard of. She went there song and now uh, we all know her so this is it so Meharry Medical College or School of Global Health is going to be there um, Friday January 5th with a wonderful artist our our ambassador for Dry January USA his name is Gramps Morgan he is the only uh, reggae and country music artist he lives in Nashville Tennessee he's got a beautiful repertoire he actually is sober himself and his whole um style is to lift people up connect with them and he has sings in one particular song which is uh our actual official song for dry january usa and yes there is an official song because we we say it is the official song for dry january usa it's called ramnesia and as you know when you drink you get amnesia but when you're gramps and you go down to jamaica with him you get ramnesia but you know he doesn't drink so it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek really fun song that we think is going to connect with people and uh, we're looking forward to sharing more about this as well we are going to be uh in nashville tennessee at the green hills mall on some weekend uh with liars uh to be able to let more people know about that have some tasting sure. let more people know about mahari and the school of global health and then finally on uh february 1st we'll be celebrating 
the end of dry January, but just letting people know dry January USA is with you throughout the year. The app is with you throughout the year. And as some of my medical students uh, say to me, Dr. Caldwell, I'm doing dry January before my exam. So it's just becoming another way to say I'm, I'm cutting back on alcohol. I'm giving up on alcohol and I, I just love it um, so much. So we'll, we'll be there uh, and uh, continue through the year and look forward to building partnerships uh, uh, with liars and other friends. And um, I know that uh, things are going to continue to get better, more fun. And uh, I look forward to hearing from any of you. If you want to reach out to me, just go to mahariglobal.org and you can find uh, all that we're doing. Indeed. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on the show. Uh, you can find Tail Feather. Once again, my name is Nick Crutchfield. I'm the host here at Tail Feather. You can find Tail Feather anywhere that you get your uh, podcasts. And you can all actually watch us, if you choose to, uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, we've got, I've got a book coming up. Uh, one of my cousins is a world-renowned writer. He's helping me figure out the the um, pattern to go into, if you will. And we are actually going to be doing this show, Tail Feather, on the uh, first and third, and sometimes fifth Tuesday of every month. And the the one that fills in between is called One Good Thing. So a week from now, if you're listening or watching, I will have listened to this show in its entirety, edited it, and then I will have done a diatribe, if you will, a soapbox where I find something that Michael has said that has touched me deeply and expand on it. So this is called One Good Thing. It happens on the off weeks that uh, Tail Feather is not on. All right. So with that, thank you, our songbirds, for tuning in with the flock and listening to what we have to share with you. That's a wrap. Put a feather in my hat from the nest. Nick Crutchfield, <laughs> Tail Feather. See you on the flip. The Liar's Non-Alcoholic Pink Spritz. I taste the world through rose-colored glasses. Delicious. Stay spirited. Make it a liar's.